Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakway. After starting up in 2013, Chestnut Brew Works, Morgantown, West Virginia, gained market share year after year until it was the largest selling West Virginia small brewery in its home city. From very tight quarters in a mostly residential area, Chestnut Brew Works has pretty much been operating at full capacity for the last number of years. They self-distribute their beer and uh, sell just about every drop they brew at their own tiny tap room and also at other Morgantown bars and restaurants. That's right, Charles. And for years, craft beer fans and other parts of the state have been asking about their beer, but it's never available. There's just not enough brew to supply other areas. So in recent years, the question on all Chestnut Brew Works fans' minds is, will they ever expand? Charles, we are going to answer that question today here on West Virginia Beer Roads. We have as our guest, Bill Rittenauer, founder and proprietor of Chestnut Brew Works. Bill, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Thanks, Aaron and Charles, for having me. Happy to be here. So, Bill, we've talked about this through the years, and but now I hear there's a major new development brewing at Chestnut Brew Works. Tell us about it. Uh, yes, sir, Charles. So uh, the time is finally ripe, and I, I found uh, found the, the right person to go into business with. We'll be expanding operations and, and moving across town. What were the factors leading up to the decision to move to a, a greatly expanded facility? Uh, well, the, 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 I mean, you know, the primary decision is opportunity. Um, uh, you guys did a, a very great job introducing, um, very humbled by your introduction. And we are, we are a small uh, brewery in, in a residential area. And, and that in and of itself is wonderful, but it, it certainly limits our capacity. So that, that's the number one factor that led is just um, an opportunity to uh, get our product into the hands of, of more consumers. And uh, we think we have that opportunity. We're just gonna try to take advantage of that. Um, it was also the property itself when it, when it popped up, it was just the right, uh, you know, cause you can buy property and build anywhere, but uh, with this, just this whole thing, the way it all played out uh, was, was really just too perfect to, to pass up. I trust me. I thought about it. I thought about just passing it up because I, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with what we're doing and I, I'm a little disappointed. We can't get into the hands of more people, but you know, when they say, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And uh, while I certainly ran into my issues or we run into issues every day, it's, uh, you know, it, what I, what I do, I'm, I'm very lucky, man, to be able to do what I do and to be a part of the community I'm part of. So sometimes you just got to be happy, you know, but uh, this, I think everything was just a little uh, too right with this building and, and how it came about. So it's exciting just to be able to stay in your hometown. Yeah. Well, let's go over some of the uh, details of this new facility. First, start out by telling us where it is. Sure. It's right. If you're familiar with Morgantown, it's if you're driving from downtown Morgantown into Westover, it's right across the Westover Bridge, right down to the right, uh, right on the river. Uh, there will be Riverview um, there and uh, we're going to have plenty of parking. So that is something that uh, we've struggled with in, in the past, just given where our, our location is. 
Um, so it's technically it's in an area called Westover. Um, so just right across the river from Morgantown. Yeah, right. I mean, anybody familiar with Morgantown certainly understands Westover's on the other side of the river from downtown Morgantown. There's a bridge right there. And I think your facility is fairly close to that bridge as you drive on back uh, down street. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. It's the first right after the bridge. And you yeah. just drive down toward the, toward the train tracks. And we'll throw up a picture of this facility or this building anyway uh, on, uh, on our website uh, about this podcast so it'll be up there for listeners to take a look at at least the exterior um, well let's start with the production area will you just move your old equipment over there or are you going to be getting newer equipment bigger equipment expanding yes yeah, so there is we're taking a mixed match approach uh, we are moving our equipment that we currently have uh, it's a seven barrel brew house a few seven barrel fermenters a few 14 barrel fermenters then we're also adding more bigger fermenters so that we can brew more frequently. We'll have, so we're increasing our cellar space. Um, uh, that is the primary, uh, primary equipment uh, addition. We're also looking to uh, incorporate a grain handling system so that we're, we can uh, buy in 2000 pound sacks. Um, and we're looking into that equipment and to getting that installed. And then just more space. We're just gonna have a lot more space, much bigger walk-in cooler. Um, it's actually, it's, that is done. And you know, with all these hot days we've been having, sometimes I just go over there and walk in there and just appreciate. <laughs> I'm envious of that. Cooler. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and just, uh, you know, more commercial, uh, accepting deliveries of our grain and, and of, pallets of cans and stuff will just be much more streamlined over here uh, at the new location. Yeah, that's something I noticed. I think it was in the Morgantown Magazine article that where you were quoted something like saying, uh, oh, you know, we can take uh, grain in one side and then put out beer on uh, beer shipments on the other end of the building. <laughs> so yeah, apparently it's going to be set up pretty nice. That, that is the plan. That is, that's how we designed it and where we were going to put the equipment and all that is grain comes in the one garage door and then goes basically, you know, step by step until it goes out the other garage door as, as a package product. You know, something that you didn't mention, uh, and I know you've been canning for the last several years. Will you plan to expand your canning once you're in the new facility? Yes. So with, you know, with expanding our volume, uh, we're going to be uh, expanding the volume of all of our products, first of all. But the, the percentage, I do believe, is going to go up for our cans. Uh, we are going to put that on the uh, on, on the on the back of our current canning line uh, with the understanding that it, we're going to be working it like this is a lot of this is just going to be us working the equipment we have harder and, and somewhat to the max so um we figure that's a, that's a good first step because we don't with our space limitations now we can't work it as often as we want to we can't work our equipment as often we we can't you know right. we don't have the, the, the space to to store that amount of beer that we could brew and package with the equipment yeah i think if anybody has uh, anybody listening that hasn't been in your current facility you realize that you are wall-to-wall -wall with your tanks and space and you have a tiny uh, tap room and all i mean just it's so confining i'm sure for you at least with the sales potentials you probably have today 
I guess I just, and that's one, maybe one area I was naive with is uh, it's, and it's just like, well, you know, I was able to plan the space for the beer. Uh, but then, you know, you start thinking about like the accumulation of the kegs, dirty and clean and filled. And then, oh man, once the canning line came in, okay, now you got cases, you got pack techs, you got cans, you got, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, so space, um, I'm definitely, it, it definitely, uh, it's more in my mind now. Like I see space and I'm like, Oh yeah, look at that space, you know, whereas before I was, so I guess real estate, you know, it's like real estate. Well, let's, let's move our discussion over to the new taproom. What can we expect there? Talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So this will be exciting as well. So in even this, we're still, we're in the later ends of the planning stages, especially for the out, the outside area, but the inside area, you can expect a full kitchen, uh, uh, like I said, there's going to be, there, there's going to be two bars is this is the plan. Uh, and I, I don't see it changing. Um, there's going to be a bar. We call it the river. We're, we're just in our heads. We call it the river riverside bar because it's going to be just a bunch of glass windows. You can just look out into the river, um, while you enjoy your meal and your beers. Uh, I'm in the process of, re, um, Actually, tomorrow I'm driving down to White Oak, West Virginia and picking up a bunch of reclaimed chestnut boards. So if you guys know the story of the American chestnut, it, you can't get chestnut lumber anymore unless it's reclaimed because all the big chestnut trees have died off due to the, and this is, I studied this as a, as a grad student at WVU. It's all part of the, the chestnut. Chestnut brew works. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was really excited to find this, this, uh, this wood down in Beckley. So or Beckley area, I'm going down there tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be incorporating some reclaimed, uh, barn wood that the guy who's selling it to me, uh, I was like, well, it's West Virginian, right? He's like, well, it's technically Virginian because it went up in 1860. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. So it's that old. It's that old. I'm, I'm real excited. And, uh, and then in the other room, we're going to have what we're just going to call it a beer hall. It's just going to be a room, uh, with, picnic tables in it and another bar um again a lot of or a lot of chestnut will be in there um i'm gonna have brian pickens who i know you all have done you, you know brian oh, yeah yeah with him uh gonna he's bringing i'm brought him over there for some ideas of some murals on the walls in there fantastic yeah there's gonna be an outside patio slash deck area um and and like I said, plenty of parking. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you already covered parking. Um, right. I, but for decor, you're sticking to kind of traditional, you know, wood, native, well, sort, of, sort of native. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> As you said, Virginia, but, but still native to the area. Um, what about your number of taps and your square footage for the facility? Yeah. Oh, square footage. I, I can't give you a number. I, I don't think in those terms, uh, unfortunately. I should. <laughs> okay. I should. Um, but it's... I could give you, I probably give you a capacity. I think the last time we were looking, we were looking at like maybe 170 between wow. the, the yeah, patio, the, the main tap room and, and the beer hall area. Yeah, um, that's a really nice size. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah it's it's going to be capacity. a good size. Uh, we're going to have, we're planning on starting off with 12 taps, but one of the great things about the design of the place is, and I've seen this at other breweries and stuff, and it's just the way to go. In my opinion is, is the walk-in cooler is going to be, immediately behind the bar so if we want another tap all we have to do is drill another hole into the walk-in cooler 
so um so but we're gonna start off with 12 and uh yeah and like i said there's gonna be a full kitchen we uh we don't really have a menu yet we're bouncing around ideas but it's you know we're looking i, I can give you the general you know goal of any brew pub should really be is just like food that is uh tasty goes well with beer and is fun to share and and um and you know and we're going to source as much of that stuff locally as possible okay you uh mentioned the menu and you aren't quite yet sure what all the food will be my brings up a thought to me are you planning to work with a restaurant partner or are you just maybe going to hire somebody to to run the food operation side uh no well, there is a, a fella who's been helping us out um his name's jared and jared riggleman and he's been uh involved in, in local morgantown um, restaurant businesses for a long time, a couple of decades, uh, it has his own catering company. So, um, he, and I have just been working together and I basically, like I said, I, I give him the idea of kind of what I want the atmosphere to be. And, and kind of we vibe on that same level. He understands it for sure. So, um, yeah, and that's one of the reasons, you know, one of the things about expanding and one of the reasons I waited, I would say as long as I did, well, a few reasons I waited as long as I did, but as far as like taking on a project like this is I, I wouldn't have wanted to take it on to this level uh, if I had to manage a kitchen. This place across the river is, it, it is kind of a destination. Like, it's not like you can go over there and then skip on down to Iron Horse and get, you know, you, so I realized that with this location, if we really want to take like the uh, potential, me and and Jared and my other partner Phil Weezer, uh, who's who's involved in this, is that like we need to, um, you know, we need to offer everything that you need to go over there. And that's not to say they can't then maybe head downtown, go to Tinto too. So like we still want to incorporate in with downtown Morgantown, but we just know that if we wanted to really take full advantage of, of this space and the view that it offers, then we needed to, you know, we needed to be as, as accommodating as possible. Um, and we, we decided a full menu was necessary for that. So it sounds like you uh, have maybe some new partners or a new partner in this business to uh, and the expansion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, two. Um, and uh, yeah, Phil Weezer, he, um, he's the founder of March Weston, which is the local construction company. Uh, I say local. I mean, they're, they're pretty big. Um, yeah, well, he, having a person in construction would certainly be a wise move. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's it. And Phil and I met, we met like five years ago or so, and we, we've run through different ideas. And I, I think we're just uh, we share this, this interest. And, you know, we were talking about the engineering or, or the, uh, the processing earlier of like raw materials in one end, uh, you know, beer out the other. And, uh, you know, we just share this, this interest in, in doing things as efficiently as possible and, and incorporating equipment uh, and engineering to do so, you know, he's an, he's an engineer, um, a scientist. And so, uh, and I think he does really have an interest in, um, just in, in in investing in downtown Morgantown and and you know in the time of of uh, 
shopping centers and, you know, university town centers and Suncrest town centers. And, you know, and, and that, I, I visit them when I, you know, when I do, but we just feel like, especially Morgantown has just kind of lost a little bit of its luster. And so this is, I think part of it, and there's a lot of people and the new apothecary that's opening up and, and, and the, the people who are involved with that, there's just, it, there's this big push to just really let's make downtown Morgantown a place worth visiting again, you know? So. I think one thing that uh, people would be interested in hearing about this new facility and the new tap room and all would be what's the, your projected timeline. I mean, what are you looking at? Do you think? Uh, we're hoping to have the tap room open within the next three or four months like okay, that. so that does sound like maybe by late fall, possibly. Uh, I think if late things fall, go well, late fall, and again, that that is like if everything goes well, and you know, then late fall would be wonderful. I mean, we're like I said, we're making progress. I'm picking up a lot of like a lot of chestnut wood tomorrow. We got we got drawings of how it's all going to be done. It just it just needs to be done, and you know, then the ABCA and the fire marshal, and you know, so, but we're we're, we're really hoping for the fall. Uh, for the tap okay. room and then and then you know and then slowly we'll just transition everything well bill along with uh all this increased capacity you know more tanks more efficient layout and operation lots of space uh there's probably going to be increased production and with increased production uh there is there going to be increased distribution could you comment on that yeah, and that is the plan. Ultimately, uh, I talked earlier about opportunity and the factors to uh, to expand. I mean, we don't. We did start. We do. We're in Clarksburg, Bridgeport, Fairmont now. But I mean, that's it. And we we do get outside of that Morgantown and those areas when when we do. Like if someone happens to be passing through town, they pick up some kegs or something. But the the plan is to ultimately and you know slowly just make sure we we're. We got the tap room taken care of, make sure we got our local customers taken care of. And then slowly, just as we can increase that production, I mean, we need to do something with all that, with all that beer we're making. So uh, we're excited to be able to, to talk with distributors in, in some of the other bigger markets in, in uh, West Virginia um, and possibly even Deep Creek or Pennsylvania. Um, so, and that, that's all depend. like the, the other thing that this place has is space. And so even in addition to the tanks that we are installing as part of this move, there's space for more tanks in the future. Uh, so yeah, we hope to slowly just be able to, you know, bring our beer to more people. Sounds like there's definitely some room for growth there. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's one thing, another factor. And when you talked about factors and moving is I, I told myself if I did it again, I feel like I've learned a lot. Uh, and if I did it again, I'd make sure that it was in a space that if we wanted to expand more, we could do it at that space. You know what I mean? And we wouldn't have to move to a new space. So basically a space with even further growth potential. And this place has that for sure. So you mentioned a little bit though about uh talking with distributors so you're you're maybe considering switching from self-distribution to signing with a distributor oh yeah yeah so, yeah and and whatever distributors for whatever regions we feel that we can handle um 100 and we've already talked with a few and, and they know of our plans and um 
Yeah, listen, like, I know, you know, you hear these these nightmares about distributors and some some agreements. <laughs> Sometimes people get in. You know, I, I don't, that's, I mean, that's why you got to choose who you do business with, I suppose. Uh, but listen, I when, when I get my two guys, uh, Jeremy and Josh, I've been with, with Chestnut forever. Um, when they're out delivering beer and, and the brew house is just sitting there, like, it makes me sad. Like, I mean, uh, we, do, we do take pride in, in being able to distribute our own product and stuff. But the distributors, if you pick the right ones, I mean, they, they know what they're doing, you know, and they do a very good job with it, especially when it comes to uh, cans and supermarkets and stuff. So I, I look at it as an opportunity. Like, I wish we made enough beer now so I could sign with a distributor and so that we could spend more time making the product, like the stuff we're good at, you know, which is not that we're not good at distributing, but I mean, it's not that's not like what, that's not our job. You know, you talk to these distributors, that's what they do. Like they are, they distribute, you know, we, we brew, we brew and, and we can deliver and we do the best we can, but that's, you know, we don't have a fleet to do it. So. Fair enough. Well, Bill, we like to ask this of all of our brewers. So what would you say are the keys to success for Chestnut Brew Works through the years? Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I think we were lucky that uh, we kind of got in on the ground floor. I think, um, you know, I think West Virginia was, was ripe for it. And I mean, I'm glad I gambled on that. I, you know, I came here, I lived at Penn uh, state college and then I moved, well, then I lived here and then I was out in Nebraska and I was watching this craft beer uh, boom, like everywhere. It was in Nebraska and I drove out to Colorado. This was 2008, went to the great American beer festival. And I just saw all this crap beer like blown up. And then I got back to West Virginia and, and I mean, there were six other breweries in the state and you couldn't get any other, like you could get very little craft beer in the state. And I was like, man, this is like, this isn't like, and, you know, and I still, <laughs> I still had family in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania it was got like over 200 breweries, you know? And right. so <clears throat> I think, I got lucky, I, I think, with that, with the timing. Um, I don't know. I think I, I got lucky, too, with the timing of Halleck, Pale Ale. I think people, you know, back then, it was kind of new to have a hoppy beer that wasn't bitter. That was a new thing. And, you know, and, and I think, um, I, I mean, in today's standards, Halleck might even be bitter. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think timing and... Uh, and the market, you know, the timing of the market here, I think it was, uh, I, I think there was some, some fortunate turn of events. Uh, I, I do like to think, and I've been told that we keep the product consistent. Um, I'd like to think that uh, maybe my science training and my, you know, working in a lab for, for years and years as a microbiologist, I like to think that, um, you know, we've come up with a process to, to try to, you know, minimize any kind of contamination or off flavorings. Um, so I, I think our consistency and, and I mean, I, for, for us, I, I think I'm very involved in, in everything in the day to day. And like, I do, you know, I run all the numbers and I do all my own books and I, you know, and I don't know that that might hinder me, but I think for, for, for chestnut it helped one because we were so small i couldn't afford anyone else to do that but two it allowed me to you know I, the, I, the left hand knew what the right hand was doing you know as far as like sure. you know, 
and not, not that it can't in a partnership or anything. I mean, but I just think, uh, and I think especially during COVID, just being able to to assess what the financial problems were and then as to the best of my ability and, and with the help and, and input from, from Josh and Jeremy and Amber at the tap room, like just be able to adapt and execute. Sure, find a solution. Yeah. 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 Well, along with those keys to success that you just described, what, what have been your biggest challenges to a successful operation of a brewery in West Virginia? Talk about some of the, the hurdles, obviously, other than the pandemic. <laughs> Um, that you've had to overcome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. It's, you have to pause that. I, I can talk about yeah some of the general like. Uh, I'd say like just the shifting. I'd say the biggest hurdle would be uh, supplies and and being able to procure the supplies I need based on the trends that are going at the moment. You know, like when I first started, it was hops. Hops were so hard to get. Now hops are easy to get, but getting fruit is a problem, you know? And so, uh, market demand, right? Yeah. Just the demand. And because I'll tell you what, man, these, these, the, the, I want to call them trendy beers or the fatty beers or whatever, but like, you know, as, as the years go by, there's different beers that are hot and it used to be IPAs and it still is to an extent, but now, you know, you got the sours, a lot of sours and the hazies. And um, so it's just getting the supplies that everyone else wants, right. The, and the, and the ingredients that everyone else wants uh, at a price that you can afford. Um, so, and, and it, yeah, the, this inflation has been killer. This has been, this inflation has been one of the, uh, like the, the biggest problems we've had to deal with um, just because everything's more expensive. And well, one of the things I've always tried to do was I really always tried to make chestnut um, competitive in pricing to the best that I could. And <clears throat> I hate raising prices. I think I've only done it twice since we've opened in 2013. And the second time was just like a month or two ago. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, let's look, yeah. Let's just look at those nice, fairly priced beers that you're offering on yeah. your current uh, your current operation. And that's something that all the beer fans, uh, you know, are, are excited about. I mean, what is it that you have on tap? What's been selling uh, well for you at uh, Chestnut Brew Works recently? Well, we're excited. We have uh, probably our newest beer that we have available right now is grape expectations, which I know there's lots of other breweries that have named their beer grape expectations. I thought of it independently and I don't, doesn't bother me. It's hard. <laughs> this, this ain't going to be a nationwide right. seller. Okay. <laughs> um, but it is just, it's a brute IPA, which is an interesting style. It'd be, it was like kind of popular a couple of years ago. I don't know. You don't see them much anymore, but it just went, when it's hot like this, uh, they're just nice and dry. And, um, it's almost like a, like a seltzer almost, you know? And so um, we made that with Nelson Sullivan hops from Australia, which are very white grape. That's wonderful. Uh, there's a, a lot of white grape character. And then we also uh, put some white grape juice in, in, in the beer itself. So it's just, it's very pale, uh, very pretty clear. I mean, we don't filter any of our beers, but it's about as clear as, as our beers will get and um, just dry, nice and easy to drink. So we have that available right now. We're uh, hoping to can some soon. Um, soon, uh, like probably tomorrow or within the next couple of days, 
we're going to have a new ver a new batch of stunt hog, which was our hazy IPA. But this batch is, we, uh, we took it to the next level to try to maximize the juiciness. We use the, um, that Omega cosmic yeast and, um, did some mash hopping and just did all the things, all the things to, to maximize the juice. So we're, and the, and it, we can taste it. So we're, we're pretty excited to release that as well. Um, we also have the bloob, which is a blueberry ale. Um, just a nice, just a, a blonde ale base with uh, a bunch of blueberry puree and uh, some natural flavors in there. And it's just a nice, refreshing, purple colored, um, you know, pretty moderate, moderate blueberry flavor and aroma. Uh, so we do a sour series. We call it Sex on the Cheat for local Cheat, uh, cheat Lake here or Cheat River. Um, good, fun, popular uh vacation destination to cool off so this sex on the cheat series we currently we have a strawberry rhubarb sour and we use uh, marshmallow fluff and lactose in that to try to give it like a, a little bit heavier of a base to help offset some of the sourness but that's been pretty popular with the um the people who enjoy sours and I will add that on these uh, beers like Stunt Hog and Sex on the Cheek, that those are also in cans with art by Brian Pickens that you mentioned earlier. That's got some cool labels. Uh, you want to comment a little bit on your label concepts? Uh, yeah, I mean, Brian's great. I love working with artists and and Brian, who, um, just great. Yeah, we just get together up at Jeans, you know, local uh, neighborhood bar up here. We both live in the neighborhood and uh sometimes we just we're joking around about something and sometimes we'll be like oh yeah that'll be a that would be a funny beer like that's actually how stunt hog came up like uh we just somehow we we're talking like a stunt hog and this idea of like a pig and like a in like an evil knievel outfit and I love pigs. we're just like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but we're like but that's why it would be funny right because it just wouldn't make any sense so um and so, and then, uh, you know, and then he drew it and then that, you know, we laugh. Um, yeah. and, and that's just it is I just kind of give Brian some, some ideas or, or kind of some of what we, you know, we want the beer to be like or whatever. And then he just does it. I'm like, man, that's great. Like, that's great. Local artists. I mean, yeah. 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 And it makes it fun for us customers too to go out and shop those shelves and see those really creative, really fun and funny sometimes, uh, uh, art that's that on our are on our beer can labels yeah so along the way as chestnut brew works has developed into the brewery that we all love today there must have been some interesting anecdotes stories observations anything you can share with us about your business your customers or maybe about west virginia beer culture in general like something humorous is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Does anything stand out for you? Yeah, this actually, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, I mean, there's, God, there's, there's so many. I, and I love being part of this culture and, and going to the different beer festivals and hanging out with all the different brewers and craft beer drinkers. I, I guess one funny thing and is so back, you guys mentioned sometimes it had been hard to get Halleck, like it would sell a lot, it'd be hard to get. 
I guess some people would walk into, and this would happen at Pies and Pints a lot, and some other places would tell me it would happen. And they'd walk in, they'd be like, do you all have Halleck? And they'd say, oh, no, we don't. We just ran out. And they turn around and just walk out. <laughs> That's a compliment, though. Well, I know, but it's itself. just like, really, it's just like, come on. Like, are you really, like, you're not like, hey, I'm really going to enjoy one of these, like, great pizzas that these people make and just drink something else? Like, and so, but that's just like, I, and I don't know, that's what's funny to me is like, it, it's, you, there's just diehard fans out there, like diehard beer drinkers, and they want a very specific experience. And, um, and that's great. I mean, it's wonderful. And you're right, it is a compliment and, and all that. But it, to me, it's just, it's funny. Uh, maybe on this side of it. Uh, so, uh, you know, and you know what, that, that probably, I haven't heard that as much anymore. So I think that the fact that there's been other breweries have been, you know, in the state and stuff, I think. So, uh, but, you know, and there'd been times when, uh, when, like with our last move, when we moved down um, from Halleck Road, which is where the first brewery was to on Brockway, which we're at now, is there was there was no Halleck for a period of time I think it was like a month or two and uh we always like to tease that the 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 pitchforks and the torches came out but then there were some yeah but but Grace down at Apothecary was very smart and she actually bought some Halleck and then she held on to it until no one else had any Halleck and then yes that's a good business decision right there yeah so Uh, we, we do, I guess that will lead up. Like, we hope that there's not a, a, a supply issue. Um, we we're trying to make our, our moves this time seamless, but we'll see. How do you view the current state of our craft beer market here in West Virginia? Do you like where it's headed? Anything in particular that stands out to you? I think West Virginia craft beer market since, since I, we got in business, I think has gotten much better. Uh, much more variety, uh, a lot more even of the national crafts. And then you also have uh, the newer West Virginia breweries that are coming along and and thriving. Um, So, yeah, I think the craft beer market's wonderful, you know, and and, and that's, yeah, I got, I'll just sit here and point out my bias a little bit right now. I was like, you know, I kind of don't want it to get any bigger. But, uh, you know, that's just a disclaimer that, you know, I don't want to sit here and act like that, you know, but no, it's great. It's wonderful. Well, there's always things that could be better, even when it's wonderful. And uh, especially for the business climate for small local brewers. And I'm here mainly Uh, referring to maybe improvements you might want to see in legislation or regs around the alcohol sales and production. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, let's just call a spade a spade. Like the craft beer market has changed drastically in the past 20 years. Um, and and uh, all of consumerism in general, you know, in the Facebook era. So it's, you know, the, the government's just a little behind in, in catching up with, uh, you know, with some of the, the things that really are required for, a small local brewery to be able to thrive. And I would say primarily, and this is on on the agenda and hopefully we can talk to the ABC about, it's just making label approval, uh, things like label approval so that, you know, we don't don't wanna pull anything over on anyone, but we, you know, we do, people 
love what's new and they want us to keep doing new things and different things. And, you know, so um, whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't really a thing. Right. So, and, you know, a lot of these people in, you know, in, in the state government might not be aware of, of the culture. They're just, they don't submerse themselves in it. They're, they're just not part of the culture and that that's fine. Um, but it just might be hard for them to understand some of these things and why they're important. Uh, I, I do think that's one. It's just just creating an environment where where small local breweries can introduce new products, um, you know, in a, in a in an efficient manner without being caught up in in um, you know a lot of paperwork or red tape. Yeah, yeah, and we hear that from brewers across the state, uh, yeah. and that that is an issue. And we sure hope that. You guys can, and we're working with the state that we can, and the legislature, you know, we can find a solution. Yeah, we can address that. And I'm confident yeah, we can. Process. I'm confident we can. Like I said, I think a lot of it's uh, just education and just introducing them to, you know, um, you know, there's, there's safe and, you know, safe ways and to do this and nothing to be concerned about, you know. Well, Bill, thank you so much for spending time with us this evening and talking about Chestnut Brew Works and your future expansion. We are so excited to have you on here and talk about your plans for your business and looking forward to visiting it once it's complete. So best of luck and thank you for being on West Virginia Beer Rates. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you, Aaron and Charles. It was a pleasure. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.